0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. When we speak about virtues, the goal is that we receive the divine attributes of Jesus. If he personified it, it's available for us personally. So if he had it, we want it. Amen. Last week we spoke about faith, and you need faith in order to attain any of the rest of virtues, of the virtues found in Jesus Christ, and, and, uh, but once you gain faith, I hope that you reach for truth, and so today we're going to read a couple scriptures uh, in the Bible. If you want to turn your Bible to John chapter 16, verse 13, we're going to read one verse, and we're going to go through uh, one story together today, and we're going to allow God to speak. John chapter 16, verse 13. I'd encourage you to bring your Bible to church with you, if you can, uh, and, uh, and, and get used to it and, you know, turn in it so we can hear the crinkle of paper again. I, uh, I got to tell you, last night or the night before, I found on Audible uh, the Bible read by James Earl Jones. Darth Vader read the Bible. So that's just for free. If you've never listened to the Bible, start there. Um, I also have Johnny Cash for all you folk lovers. All right, John 16, (laughs) verse 13. The Bible says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you lead you into what is true. One more verse, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, one of my favorite phrases, Acts chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Then Peter stood up. What is he doing? He's taking a stand for truth. Then Peter stood up with the other 11, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Today, I want to declare to you this truth. When the Spirit comes on you, the truth stands with you and will come through you. Amen? When the Spirit comes on you, the truth will stand with you and come through you. And my goal for us as a church and you as a believer is that you would walk in the Spirit and live in the truth. We just bow your heads? Come on, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we give you this moment. Will you come and will you speak to us, God? Nothing else going on? No other distractions, God, no other agendas. We're here to hear from you, Lord God. So Lord, I ask that you illuminate the scriptures, make it come alive and real and applicable to our lives, that we leave this place with a new perspective on you, a new perspective on ourselves. God, we desire change, and not just any change, we desire the change that you want to bring in our lives. So we submit ourselves to you, our body, our mind, our spirits. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to your people. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said, amen. come on, all God's people said, amen, amen. That's when Peter stood up. That phrase is so powerful to me because of all of the things that surrounded that phrase, that came before that phrase. It's the story that led up to that phrase that made it such a, an incredible moment. In the in the Word of God. See, Peter, his story shows you and I how to stand for truth. And the virtue that maybe is under most attack right now in our society is the virtue of truth. We are drifting on the tides of culture. And we are losing sight of the shores of truth. We have nothing to navigate by, no bay of security to rest in. In order to survive the storms of adversity, the trials and tribulations of life, we must rediscover our north star of truth and navigate our life and our families by it. And I would propose to you that the north star of truth is a person who is Jesus Christ. Peter takes a stand for truth. Right off the bat, one of the first things we see in the book of Acts is the leader of the church showing us this is how to, uh, how to live. Yeah, right. This is how to lead. This is what it looks like. And he takes, he takes a stand. But what's so powerful and interesting is, is the, the lead up into that. So today I want to speak to you about Peter's story from the fall. Through the restoration of his life, all the way culminating into the moment where he takes a stand for truth. And his example matters. It matters to you, and it matters to me. Because, see, in the age of deceit, those who stand for truth will stand with God. And you have to understand, you do not have to be perfect in order to stand for truth. That's Peter's story. You do not have to be perfect. Amidst your imperfection, God will choose to use you that you might stand for truth. Because fear binds, but truth frees. Can you say amen? Fear binds, but truth frees. Come on, can we thank God that he has freed us by his power, by his glory, for his majesty, for his truth. So here we find Peter. Many days before this moment where he stands before all of the people and he is in the midst of a difficult situation. Jesus has just been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's brought to the court, the high, the high priest court. And Peter, Peter, the Bible says, is following, but he's following at a distance. And he goes as far as the courtyard. Jesus is in the court, but he's in the outer court. He's following, but there's distance. See, Peter is about to deny Jesus Christ. Jesus, Peter is about to deny truth. But you have to understand what comes before. In the midst of this situation, we find Peter at a distance because distance always comes before denial. It always comes before denial. You don't turn your back on truth all at once. You don't backslide in one day. You don't make the leap and lose your faith in a moment. It starts slowly. Distance always starts before denial. You move away from Christ before you turn your back on him. You avoid. Isn't that the truth? The reality is before we deny truth, we avoid it. We avoid it. And we have all the excuses. In fact, sometimes our lives are even oriented. Oriented so that we can look like we look like we are still living in truth, but in reality and on the internal and in the in the the, the space of our heart we're moving away from the things of God. The, the, the reality is before we deny truth, we avoid truth. And and many times we avoid it with excuses. I see it happen all the time in the church. I see it happen all the time, even with myself. We'll make excuses as to why I couldn't and, and, and why it didn't work out. And I've, I've seen even many times when people begin to move away from God, they always have to move away from church. Because it's like you can't be in the spirit of God and you can't be amongst God's people and be actively isolating from God. It's just too real. It's just too convicting. So they have to remove themselves from the atmosphere. I'll, I'll be in the court, but I'll be in the courtyard. I'll, 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 be, I'll be around. And, and, and so what we do is we excuse our distance. Well, you know, I got to work or I got a new job or they're really expecting me or, or, or you know, I got a vacation. That many vacations. You took 17 vacations. How are you? What can you tell me? How do you get points in mileage? You, you got you to excuses. well, you know, well, I can say this because we're not broadcasting this. Uh, you know, I'm watching online. For four years online? you you have you have space and I'm not here to condemn I'm here to to lay out the things that we do and we we move we move and and we 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 text the crew leader back less we 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 have to we need we need some time I I can't I can't serve I just need to receive not understanding serving is receiving serving is receiving and, and, and we, we, we distance ourselves from the spirit, the presence, the closeness of God, because we know when we get close to God, God puts his finger on some stuff in our life. God calls us out. Your friends won't call you out because they know that you'll get angry. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's only our enemies that will tell us the truth. Our friends love us too much. Don't call, but God, He He's a friend that sticks closer to the brother than a brother, and He's not afraid of your anger. God will always be truthful to us. He's so good. He does it in love, but He'll put His finger on things in your life. And so that's why you and I, we tend towards avoidance. Especially of truth. Because truth has a cost. In fact, truth has a great cost. Truth might cost your reputation. Truth might cost you some relationships. Truth might cost you some time. Truth might cost you some comfort. Truth might cost you some habits. In the end, truth might even cost you your life. As many that have gone before you, truth has cost their life. And yet, it's worth your life. It's worth the cost. Truth is worth the difficult price you must pay to attain it. It is the pearl of of great price where you should sell all as long as you hold on to truth. It has a great cost, and we have a choice. Will we stretch toward it or will we avoid it? I think the reality is many times we avoid it because of... uh, of the difficulties we would have to face when we, when we close the distance between us and truth. Uh, my question for you today is, is there a truth in your life that you're avoiding? Wow. Is there a truth, an area? Is there an area of your life where you're avoiding letting truth in? Is there some relationships in your life? That you're avoiding the reality and, and, and maybe you've let bitterness and you've let poison, you've let anger, you've let hatred, you've let violence, but the Lord's knocking on the door saying, why don't you let me in? Let there be truth in this relationship. And I'll bring life. And you say, yeah, but only at the cost that I'll lose the thing that I like. The reality is many times, many times we don't allow truth in because we like The pleasure of our sin, the comfort of our sin, the lack of change more than the truth, than what truth will demand. And and so we'd rather avoid it. But my question is Is there a truth that you're avoiding today? And maybe you're here and you're at church, but you're distant. You're present, but you're uncommitted. You're a follower, but you won't allow Jesus to take full control. Today's the day. Where Jesus is declaring to you, I want to be close to you. I want your mind. I want your heart. I want your relationships. I want your actions. I want your habits. I want to invade it with truth. Maybe you know there's something in my life this needs to change. But you have to admit the truth. This needs to change, but I like it. But I don't want it to change. Can I even tell you, admit the truth. Bring it to God. Remember when the, the man said, Lord, I believe, but will you help my unbelief? God says I can do something with that. That's 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 that I can work with. That I can work with. What you have to understand is distance. Many times will open distance from God, many times will open the door to destruction in your life. Is there a truth that you're avoiding? Because the truth is the thing that when you allow it in, will set you free. You've heard this this verse. You will know the truth the Bible says, and the truth will set you free. But do you know that that's not the full verse? That's the verse that we quote all the time. You know, that's the part we know, which is good. You know, half a verse is better than no verse. <laughs> I'm not here to condemn the world. So, but it's powerful. You will know the truth and the truth, but it's not just any truth. It's not, it's not just like scientific truth or political truth or cultural truth. Don't, those things don't set you free. You can gain knowledge and have no freedom. You can be brilliant and be bound. You can be smart and yet not saved. So what kind of truth sets us free? Well, the whole verse gives us the context. The key is this. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you'll be my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What's Jesus saying? He's saying you got to stay close can't be distant. You can't avoid. You can't buy into the lie. You can't follow a lie thinking, well, it'll only cost me little and it will work itself out. But the lie only costs you little at the beginning. In the end, it costs you your life. Truth has a great cost up front, but in the end, it leads to eternity. Jesus says, close the gap. Come close. If you abide, if you dwell, if you stay close, if you're intentional, if you're in the atmosphere of my word, we, I, I think, what I like the word ab- abide is because it doesn't allow us to make this a weekly thing. You don't live somewhere once a week. So I'm glad you're at church, but I hope you're abiding in the word. I hope it's, I hope it's in your home. I hope it's in your car. I hope it's in your mind. I hope you wake up in the middle of the night to James Earl Jones' voice reading Ezekiel to you. I hope you abide. You know how the pillar of fire was at night and the cloud by day? I hope like that's your atmosphere, that you've just got worship on you, yes. that you've got the truth declared over you, that you love it and that you don't allow anything to keep you from it. You don't live a life of avoidance, that you follow, but you close the distance you come close to Jesus and you dwell in the atmosphere of the Almighty because that's when truth will invade your life and it will begin to change who you are. See, the problem is Peter allowed distance to grow and that the enemy will always take advantage of whatever you'll give him. If there's any unclaimed territory, the enemy will claim it. So you got to claim it for God because if there's unclaimed areas of your mind, if there's unclaimed areas of your life, make no mistake, it won't be neutral ground. There is a battle between two kingdoms in your heart and your soul. There's a battle between two kingdoms in this nation, in this world. And there is no Switzerland. Are they the neutral people? There is no neutral ground. It is the axis versus the allies until the end of time. It is light versus dark. It is good versus evil. And you're not going to be able to just skate through around spiritual, but not religious, agnostic, No know God, I'm at church, do I believe everything? No, you got to close the distance. You got to claim the ground. You got to cede it to the Almighty. Lord, my mind is yours. My heart is yours. My habits are yours. My family is yours. And any area that I've let the enemy in, I renounce it and I take it back for Jesus. Because I'm not going to drift towards denial. That's right. I'm not going to avoid my way away from the Almighty. We find Peter making this mistake. He drifts towards denial, and then he assumes the posture of denial. Just note how this story unfolds. The Bible says that first he followed at a distance, but then going inside, he sat with the guards? Didn't he just try and cut off one of the guards' heads? He missed and hit his ear. But wouldn't that be an awkward situation? He sat with the guards. What what about the other disciples? What about Jesus? No. Hold on. Hold on. You're sitting with the enemy? You're sitting in the seat of compromise? What happened in such short a time? Do you switch sides that quickly? Are you that afraid? You say, forget who I was. I'm with you guys now. He, he went inside and he sat with the guards to see the end. What's this? This is the posture of compromise. Right. It's the posture of denial. Notice this. He sat. He sat. That's the expectation, the posture and expectation of defeat. Wow. Yeah. He's sitting in, in the lie because the lies always make you low. Always make you little. Lies always make you less. Lies always bring you down. He sat. The Bible says he wanted to see the end. He wanted to, he he was expecting the end. He accepted the lie. He sat and waited to see the end. He accepted the lie. Can you imagine his state of mind? You know what I find interesting? Is his countenance. The Bible tells us his countenance. It doesn't have to tell us that he sat down, but the Bible's too good because it wants to let you know that before you make grave mistakes and turn your back on God, you're going to be able to see it on your countenance. Your friends can see it. Your spouse can see it. Your crew leaders can see it. Your pastors can see it. And the Holy Spirit can see it. It gets on your countenance. There's a posture to denial. He sits. And he doesn't sit like a regal king. He sits. He sits. And now he's sitting with with those that are trying to kill his master, those that are enemies against his master, those that hate him. And now here he is sitting sitting with sin and and sitting isolated. There's no other disciples around. And he's downcast. Because the reality is the further you move away from truth, the more your mind gets captured by the things that will bring you low. It will get on your shoulders. It will get on your countenance. It will get in your eyes. The light has gone from your eyes. What happened? Well, you've drifted from truth. Yeah. And now you're now you're down. You're negative. Why are you always negative? Well, because you believe a lie. Right. Yeah. And you've accepted a lie. And many of us have internalized lies. And the worst part is sometimes we start to repeat lies. Isn't it interesting? He was so acceptance. He was, he was so accepting of the lie that the Bible says he was expecting the end. Like, like he knew, he knew Jesus said this was going to happen, but he forgot all that. And he was under such a lie. He sat down and the Bible says, I'm here for the end. He's looking to see the end. I wonder how many of you have accepted a lie that is trying to end your calling, trying to end your faith. Maybe you're sitting in a lie that's trying to end your family. Trying to end your marriage. Most of all, trying to end your life. Because make no mistake, in that moment, he was under a warfare of confusion. Just like Judas. Judas committed suicide, which means the spirit of suicide got him. The spirit of death got him. See, because see, when you remove yourself from the spirit of truth, well, you're open for any other spirit. A spirit of lie doesn't come alone. The lies open the doors for the darker spirits. And so now he's imagining the end. Because the enemy would love for you to imagine the end of your life. Would anyone care? Would it even matter? Would anyone even notice? What is that? That's a lie that's been accepted. And now a spirit of, of, of suicide is trying to come in. And if you sit under that thing too long, you'll let your imagination Let me put it this way. You'll begin to put your faith in these lies, in these false spirits. Depression and anxiety. These are spirits that come and they try and come like vultures swirling over your mind. And if you sit in lies long enough, eventually you'll accept them. You'll say things, even maybe you'll say it to yourself, like, well, this is it. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what I deserve. Maybe you'll accept lies that were told over you by your mother or your father. You'll never be. You're not. You won't. You can't. You shouldn't. And these lies have been swirling over you, some of you, for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And I'm here to tell you today that you are not called to be distant from God. And you are not called to accept the posture of defeat in your life. There is a virtue that is available to you, and you shall know the truth. You shall know Jesus. You shall get in his atmosphere. You shall hear a better word, and the truth will stand you up and set you free. Come on, how many people believe they need the word of God today? My question to you is, is there a lie that you have been sitting under? Today is the day that you get out of alignment with it. You no longer internalize it. You do not agree with it, and God sets you free from it. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. But Peter made room for that lie. He made space for it. And so sure enough, as he's drifted away from God, he drifts towards fear. And, and a little girl walks up to him, and she says, "I know you. You were with him. You're one of his disciples. Do you remember what he said?" He "Said," "I don't know the man." Denial. I don't know the man. What are you talking about? I've never been with the man. The fear of man will always cause you to forget God. You might think it's like the fear of death or or the fear. Can I tell you? It's not even like great fears. It's little fears of, of little people. It's the fear of man that got Peter, the fighter, the warrior. The fear of a little girl. Got him to forget God. Oh, I, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I I don't. I don't. I'm not part of. I don't know the man. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if this sin is is the sin the church is struggling with right now, where we're so afraid of people's opinion. We are ready to deny the sacred scripture. I I see it as a problem in the church, capital C. I see it as a problem with pastors. I see it in the lives of Christians that we're so afraid of people's opinions. We're so afraid of what they'll think of us that we will literally turn our back on God so that we'll be accepted by man, the, the, the church is denying the word right now because it's being challenged by little girls on TikTok. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's not nations and, and Satan, it's little girls on TikTok. And they're coming up to the church and they're coming up to Christians and, and they're saying, well, aren't aren't you with them? Aren't you aren't you with those people that believe in healing? Like they actually believed that you can be physically and spiritually and mentally healed? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you like one of those people? Come on. Why? Like you, you actually believe in healing? And instantly will say, well, I know it's weird. I know it's, you know, it's not, not I mean, like sometimes, but I know not every time, but I know, I know, I, I, I well, I want to believe in it, but, but I'm, I'm, I, uh, aren't you with them? Don't, aren't you the one that believes that life should be protected in the womb? Amen. That it should be honored, it should be sacred? Well, yeah. church is flabbergasted. I, I, I didn't think someone would ever challenge me on my beliefs. I, you know, like, I love everybody, and I, and I, I love everyone, and I love everything, and I, I'm not a hater, and I, I love, please love me. I love, please love, please. I need, I need, I want... Love me. Accept me. Please. Aren't you anti? No. I would never stand against anything, ever. It's like we, we took the concept of turning over the other cheek and we made, it, we made it more like have no opinions ever about anything and have no sacred stances. That's not what that means. Do not retaliate in violence and anger is not the same thing Standing for truth. Yeah, right. Little girls, aren't, aren't you the one? Aren't you? Don't you believe that pff, like God made male and female? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the man. I and maybe we don't say, maybe we don't say, I don't know the man, but I sure hear a lot of people saying, well, I don't know that God. Well, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know that God you're talking about. And it's really the same words and it's the same spirit, just slightly rearranged. And the reality is truth has a cost. God will cost you your reputation. God will cost you people's opinion. You might have to stand alone in some times. Your family might reject you. They rejected Jesus. There might be a time when the tide even of America turns against the church and the values it was founded yeah. upon, but tr- truth does not change. It is eternal and steadfast. It stands outside of time. Truth is the cliff that the waves of reality crash against. Truth is steadfast. It is eternal. It does not bend with your will. It does not bend with your emotions. It's stands as a testament to God. And when you stand with truth, you stand with him. Even if you stand alone. I pray that we as Christians don't become so desperate for influence and leadership that we would betray our leader to get it. I'm gonna stick with Jesus until the end. Three times Peter denied because he was afraid. Fear will lead you to do crazy things. Three times he moved away from Jesus because he was afraid of a little girl and of the opinion of people. And he abandoned the word for acceptance in the world. But you know what I, you know what I like is he, he couldn't even do that without God like, calling him on it. And, and, and the people called him on it. They said, no, I think you've been with him. You remember what they said? They said, you sound like him. They said, you've you got a Galilean accent. Your, your speech betrays you. Yeah, yeah. We know a lot about accents. We've got a great Rhode Island accent around here. You know, Tom Brady, Dunkin' Donuts, awful, awful. We've got a Rhode Island accent. I, I can tell there's something about your speech Amen. that gives you away. Yes. Can I tell you the truth and the reality of being a Christian? You will never fit in. Embrace it. Embrace it. You're going to sound different. You're going to speak different. You're going to think different. You're going to live different. You're going to raise your children different. You're going to have a marriage that's different. Your schedule is going to be different. What you do with your finances will be different. Can you imagine trying to get everyone on board with the fact that you tithe? Can you imagine trying to get everybody to understand it? They'll never get it. You're just going to say there are some things that I accept and I receive and I apply in my life by faith in Jesus Christ. I've always thought this about tithing. If I get to heaven and Jesus said, you didn't need to tithe, I'd be like, oh, well, I don't regret giving all my money to the church. I'm not worried about it. I'll never get to heaven and Jesus being like, never mind, you were wrong. You should have bought more pizza. I just don't see it going that way. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't see it. If I get up there and God's like, oh, never mind, you missed it on that one, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, well, I'm very grateful we were able to help the community. I'm very grateful we were able to help those women. I'm grateful that we were able to raise the church, have leaders, run programs, change the nation. I, I, I'd rather choose faith. And so my encouragement to you is, is to embrace your spiritual accent, to, to be different, that's my encouragement to you because I want to give you a hint. I want to just tell you, you can, you can get offended today, and I'm, I'm sure you won't. But even if you, if you got offended and you said, that's it, I'm going back. I'm backsliding. I just want to give you fair warning. They won't accept you. You'll never fit in with the world again. You've been touched by the blood of Jesus. You are changed. You will never fit in again. There's faith on your tongue. There's reason in your mind. There's truth on your heart. So stand up and stand out and represent Jesus with all that you are. Amen. 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 You can have a seat. I'm going to Bring it into a close here in a moment. I, I want to encourage you with this, that God is so good that even when we make mistakes, even if we were to deny, fall short and fail, even if we were to live a long way off, God doesn't fall short of, for us. He doesn't fail us. And even if you were to deny him, he will never, ever deny you. That's grace. You can always come back closer to God. If by your own actions or the the things of life you've grown distant, today you can return to truth. And here's the good news. Jesus, right now, he won't just forgive you. He will restore you. He renews you. I'm grateful that God doesn't just save me and say, like, I'll see you in 60 years. How how long did I just give myself to live? (laughs) I'm very worried about what I say, you know, in the pulpit. (laughs) Prophetic. God doesn't just save you and be like, I'll be up here. I'll see you when you get here. God doesn't just save you. He restores you. He will renew your mind. He will renew your body. He will renew your spirit. He will make things that maybe should scar you or destroy you as if they didn't even happen to you. He has complete restorative power over your life. He restores and renews your rightful calling completely because it's his to give. Nobody else could have restored Peter. It had to be Jesus. But Jesus is so good that he shows up to Peter years, uh, days afterwards. And when Peter is most likely caught in condemnation, Jesus brings him aside and he gathers him just with the disciples around the campfire. I I almost see it as a parallel. He he says, "You, you denied me in front of a group of people. I'm going to get a little bit of a group of people, but these aren't the guards. These are your your fellow disciples. I'm going to get you here together in a safe space. It's like church. I'm going to get you here. I'm going to tell you the truth, but not to condemn you, but to love you. And Jesus, he asked these questions to Peter, and these are the questions that open up the whole world. He says, but do you love me? Truth is never the enemy of love. It's never against it. It's illuminated by it. It's accepted by it. Do you love me? And Peter says, I do, Lord. And he asks him again. He says, do you love me? He says, I do. I love you. A third time, do you love me? At this point, Peter's getting embarrassed. like, God, you know I love you. Stop asking in front of my friends. Please? I love that. You know I do. He becomes like a teenager for a second. You know I love you, Lord. Now, what does Jesus do? He says, well, then feed my sheep. If you love me, be like me. If you love me, serve my people. Don't be distant. Come close. Be more than present. Know me. Speak to me. Walk with me. Be around my people. Get in my atmosphere. Join my community. Raise your children to know me. If you love me, take care of those That I've given you to bring close to me. And so Jesus restores his calling. And then so powerful in the end, Jesus says, and and also, more than that, I want you to follow me. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, he asked him to follow him. And then Jesus turned, and then Peter turns his back on him. But Jesus is so grateful, says, let's do it again. Come on, let's try it again. It's like a little kid that's trying to learn how to walk. The dad doesn't be like, that's it. You're done. You fell. You're never going to get this, bro. <laughs> Jesus will always come back and pick you back up. I know you made a mistake. You're, you're a human. I know you failed. I know you sinned. I know you screwed up. But here's God's invitation. Walk in truth again. Don't stay there. Don't sit there forever. Get back up. And follow me. But God, I was with the guards. And God, I thought it was the end. And God, I accepted all these lies. And God, I said all this stuff. And and God, I made all these mistakes. And I repeated all these words. And the things I said over my spouse, the thing I said over my kids. But God, I I could never. Jesus says, get back up. Receive my grace. Come follow me again. Take another step towards truth. Take another step towards grace. Another step towards life. And, And the next we see Peter. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, descends on the people. The whole city comes running. They want to find out what's happening. Some have open questions, open heart. Others are making fun. Oh, they're just drunk. The Bible says, but that's when Peter stood up. Truth, when the Spirit comes on you, truth will stand with you. Truth will come out of you. That's when Peter stood up. Now, when he's come close to God... When he's been forgiven by God, he receives strength by God. The truth stood with Peter. And Peter stood in front of the very same people that he denied God in front of. This time he proclaims that he was the Savior and you killed him. But you can be forgiven of your iniquity. Today is the day of salvation. Be saved, you and your children and your children's children. What happened to Peter? Well, the Spirit came on him, and it comes on you, and truth stands with him. And you've got to understand, when you stand, truth will stand with you. When Martin Luther stood before the council of popes, and they said, Deny your work, he said, My conscience is captive to the word of God. I will not deny the word for the word of popes. I, here I stand, I can do no other. When he stood, truth stood with him. When Martin Luther King Jr. stood and he said, it is my dream that my children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Truth stood with him. And hear me, when you stand for truth, truth will stand with you. It will not abandon you. It will not leave you. It will come alongside of you, and it will give you boldness. And I've got even better news to tell you. You will not stand alone.